Your business is on the runway, ready for takeoff, yet your team is not even making contact. You're exhausted, and the business needs to make more money to stay successful. What do you do next? Welcome to Ask the Coach with professional business coach Oliver Baisner. If you're ready to soar to new heights with your business and be the pilot of your own successful destiny, stay tuned. We're ready to roll. Now, here's your host, Oliver Baisner. Welcome, everyone. So excited to be with you today. A few shows ago, we talked about uh, the 10 P's of selling. Today, we're going to simplify marketing for you. We're going to talk about Sonic Coaching's 10 P's of marketing that we've designed and created. And uh, we're going to simplify that whole confusion around how do I market? How do I go to market? What do I do? And so, you know, when when I talk to businesses or business owners or, or leaders and companies, you know, often they struggle with that whole concept of marketing. You know, they're confused. Where do we spend our dollars? How do we make the ads or the offers more appealing? What if we waste our money? I mean, we could literally spend tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars and throw the money out the window. You know, so in this episode, I'm going to do my best to clear up that confusion. Now, remember, marketing is a big topic. We could probably do 10 shows on it, but I'm going to try and simplify it to the point where you really know what to look for and how to pinpoint your marketing strategies. You know, I'm going to clear that confusion up. And I'm also going to define the difference between marketing and sales for you here. So first of all, without marketing, you can't get to sales, right? Marketing, the way I define marketing is marketing is what generates the leads. It's what fills the funnel, the pipeline, whatever kind of visual you want to use. It could be as simple as you handing somebody a business card or a bunch of business cards, and that turns into possibly a sale. That could be a marketing strategy. Probably not a great one, but it's definitely one strategy. And then sales is what gets the client or the potential customer, potential client to purchasing something from you. You know, now it's interesting. My, my son, when he was going to university just a few years back, I was shocked because when I went to university, which was, you know, several decades ago, we were talking about the four P's of marketing. And the four P's of marketing were product, price, place, and promotion. It was pretty simple back then. And then here he's going to university and they've updated marketing strategies. And they instead of four P's, now they're talking about four E's. So I said, well, let me see that. And I realized that the four E's of marketing were the same as the four P's. Nothing's changed. Our, our, our school systems, at least up until you know recently, are teaching the exact same thing they were 20, 30 years ago. Nothing's changed. Here's the four E's. So instead of product, they've changed the word to experience. Okay, well, I get it. It's more about the experience you create for your clients or your potential clients, right? But it's really just another word for product. You know, how are you going to get your product out there? And then price is now exchange, exchange of value. Well, okay, so call it, call it a different word. It's the same thing. And then place is now every place. <clears throat> so, okay, we have internet and stuff. So, yeah, you've got to update the word slightly. But how is that new? It's not really and then promotion is evangelism. And so instead of, you know, just promoting your products, you got to have people who are, you know, evangelists out there and really helping you promote the product. Again, it's, you know, it's just a new word. So, you know, when I saw that, I went, you know, somebody's got to go out and, and create, you know, what are the four P's or what are the P's of marketing? And so as we started to put this together, we realized there's really 10 key P's to marketing. And I'm going to go through every one of those P's. You know, forget about the E's, right? We're going to go back to P's and you're going to find that the, you know, the four P's are still in place, uh, but we've added six more and we're going to give you a bonus P if we have time today on the show. So I'm going to 
attack the marketing a little bit different than maybe what you're used to. And we're not going to talk about should I go to social media or where should I advertise and you know what should the strategy be. We're going to dig a lot deeper here. On Before you even get to spending a dime, what do you need to consider? And that's what I want to talk about on the show today. And so <clears throat> the first thing I want to talk about, let's go to that, that P that I learned when I was going to university, is product. So product is about what is it that you sell? You know, what, what need is satisfied by your product or service? So, but before we could even really dig deep on those two questions, we have to ask ourselves, what business are you really in? You know, I remember my very first client, this is almost 10 years ago now, my very first client uh, was a company that sold accounting software. And I said, you know, what business are you in? And the guy looked at me, he thought I was crazy. It was like, well, what do you mean? Like, you don't even know what business we're in and, and you're sitting here, you know, potentially going to be coaching me. He says, we're in the accounting software business. No, he wasn't, right? That, that's the product or the service, whatever you, you have that you're using, but that's not what business you're really in. When you think about it, a realtor or a financial planner or a computer IT specialist, that's what they do. It's not the business that they're really in. To determine the business that you're in, you need to look at what value you're bringing to your clients. You know, what do they receive from doing business to you? What are the benefits they get from doing business with you or your company? That's what business you're in. Let me give you some examples. You know, when we think about it, um, Starbucks, you know, they're not in the coffee business. You know, and I've had this conversation with many, many clients over the years. Starbucks is not in the coffee business. You know, they are a business when they started, they actually wanted, wanted to become a gathering place business for people to hang out. Now, if you, you know, we forget about what the days were like before Starbucks, but there were tiny little coffee shops and, you know, crowded and, you know, probably not that welcoming to stay for a long time. And Starbucks changed all that. So they wanted to become a gathering place for people. And so where do people gather? Well, we gather in our homes, we gather at work. That's where most people gather. You know, uh, the, you know number three is usually places of worship. Um, and they wanted to be probably the number three or four gathering place. And so by being the gathering place, they're in the relationship business. That's what Starbucks is in. You know, really, and, and hopefully I'm not offending anybody, but, you know, a cup of coffee for five, six dollars versus a cup of coffee for two dollars, there has to be a different value proposition. And for them, it was about creating a great space for people to meet and have meetings and hang out and all those things. You know, when we think about uh, years ago, I worked for uh, one of the largest privately held um, craft breweries, publicly traded craft breweries here in Canada. And um, I, I had a sales meeting coming up as soon as I got there. You know, three weeks later, I, I went in as the vice president of sales and marketing and we had a sales meeting. And I asked my team at the sales meeting, what business are we in? And they thought, well, new guy. It's clueless, doesn't even know we're in the beer business, right? And it took me about a half an hour to kind of question them and go through some examples. And they realized that we weren't really in the beer business. Sure, that was the product we were selling, but we were in the entertainment business. And so we were making people happy, right? So when, when people gather over beer, it's either in a pub or a bar or a restaurant. Um, and so they're gathering with friends and it's a feel good experience. Um, when we take a case of beer home, often we're sharing with friends and we're socializing. And so again, it's about the experience. So they realized we were in the entertainment experience. But what that meant was we changed our entire marketing strategy because of that. And so we started to you know, support independent artists at the time. And we created CDs that we put in our cases 
supporting indie artists. And then we went to our pubs and our bars and our restaurants and we said, you know, we've, we've got these great indie artists who need a venue to play. We are willing to bring them to you as an event, as a special, you know, opportunity for the weekend and, and just create a really live event in your, in your establishment. They loved it, right? So it was win-win. And then later on, we created another website where people could download the music and 100% of the revenue, so it was 99 cents a song, 100% of those revenues went to the artists themselves. So it just changed our entire branding and marketing, understanding what business we were in. I'll give you one more quick example. I did some um, work with a startup spa a number of years ago. And I remember asking the owner what business they were in, and she really wasn't sure. Like, I, we talked about Starbucks, and I gave her some examples, and she said, I need to think about that. Now, when you think about a spa, those of you that have ever been to one, right, what would you think? Well, you know, in my mind, I thought she was in the business of stress relief. You know, they were in downtown, right? They, they were getting a lot of predominantly female clients who were stressed out from, from you know, being in executive levels, and that was their clientele. But when she came back, she said, you know, we're in the business of compliments because when our clients leave, often we hear about the compliments they get about how good their skin looks, how relaxed they look, how, how you know, vibrant they look. And she says, now I understand something. She said, you know, I was down in the U.S. in California on vacation and I couldn't figure out why this spa was selling, you know, costume jewelry and some fashion accessories and those kinds of things because they understood they were in the business of compliments. And what gives women compliments than to add a new piece of jewelry or a new piece of fashion item uh, to already having a great spa experience. So you really want to think about, you know, when you're talking about your product, and, and that means service as well, right? You know, and, and if you're in the service industry, maybe you're the product, really. But that's how you want to start thinking about product, right? First of all, think about what business are you really in so you can figure out exactly what is it you sell. And it's not the commodity, it's the experience. It's how you make people feel. You know, our second one that we want to talk about today is positioning. You know, how are you unique? You know, what's the positioning in the marketplace versus your competition? You know, how are you different in the minds of your potential customers or clients? In the minds of, right? So it's got to be in the minds. It can't just be, well, we know we're that much better. Well, does the potential client even understand that? I can tell you, I can phone a dozen accountants and they're all going to tell me, yeah, we, you know, we're, we're accurate. We do the best work. You know, we, we get it done quickly. We're on time and we make sure that your taxes are paid and, and you know, that, you know, the government's not going to audit you or if they do, we're going to be there to support you. They're all going to say the same thing. How is that different? Right. If I'm talking to 10 different firms and they're all saying the same thing. So that's what you want to think about is from a positioning point of view. How are you unique? In other words, how I like to word it, how are you 90 percent better in the minds of your potential clients than everybody else? So let me give you an example of that. Did some work with a, a top mortgage broker here in the city a number of years ago. And he had some things that made him unique. And so if you can't figure out how you're 90% better, here's another way to look at it. What are three things that you are different at than most of your competitors? And what two of those things can you always own? So if I was going to compare you in your industry, you say, hey, we do these three things. But my competitors say, well, we do this, but they don't do the other two. Then you've got two out of three. 
And so he was a, a successful mortgage broker. So one of his things was he worked exclusively almost with investors. In fact, 90% of his clientele was real estate investors. So in other words, go find another guy who's got a 90% portfolio of real estate investors. But then he took it a step further and he said, but I'm also an investor myself. So I have purchased dozens and dozens of properties. And so I, not only do I help my clients do it, but I do it for myself. And then his third one was, I'm also a developer. So I understand it from the ground up. And because we went through a tough economy, so he changed his wording when he went through a tough economy, and I almost lost millions of dollars, I know how to prevent that for my clients should that happen in the marketplace again. So again, three things that he talked about. Now you might go find a mortgage broker that's got one of those things, but gonna be doubtful or very difficult to find somebody who's got two, and for sure you're not gonna find anybody who's got all three. You'd have to look a long time. I'm not saying there's not anybody out there, but that's how he positioned himself as unique. So what's your positioning? How are you unique? Now, when we go to the third one, my third P is all about price. So what do you charge for your product? Is your price competitive in the marketplace? Do you wanna fight on price? Is that gonna be your point of difference? You're gonna fight on price. Because that's not normally where I recommend my clients fight, right? Because you better have a compelling difference if you're gonna fight on price. Let me give you an example of that. You know, Walmart years ago, people always wonder, you know, why has Walmart become such a powerhouse globally? Well, Walmart years ago had an advantage that nobody else in the retail world had. And I was working for one of their competitors at the time. And when Walmart got really strong, their uniqueness was so they could fight on price. What they really had is a competitive edge. And it's usually technology. I won't say it always is technology. Sometimes it's patents and, and some, some, something really unique that you've created. But Walmart had satellite dishes. This is before internet. Had satellite dishes on every one of their locations. So they can, could communicate inventory levels and stock levels via satellite electronically to a computer system. Now this was in the days where the rest of us were still using paper stock cards and counting every single item on the shelf in our stores and then reporting that back usually via fax to our head offices, right? So think about the delays. So Walmart had this competitive edge. They knew what the inventory levels were in their stores. They could know, know exactly when they were gonna run out in every store. They could trigger orders. They could centralize distribution as a result. What a massive advantage over the competitor who would be out of stock. And so what's your sort of difference? What's your, comp where do you want to play? If you're going to fight on price, you better have what I call the Walmart advantage, something that makes you so different from your competitors. And as I say, it's often technology that you can kind of own or dominate that marketplace. But again, when you think about price, you want to also think about who determines the price. You know, is it you? I really want you to think about this. Is it you? Is it your customer? It's your competitors. Who determines the price? And I get various answers whenever I ask audiences. I can tell you, your competitors determine the price. Well, what do you mean? Our product's so much better. We can charge way more for it. Sure, if you've got a great uniqueness and a point of difference, you might be able to charge more for it. But I'm telling you, if I can buy a box of cereal for $3 over here and your box of cereal is $10, 
I don't know that I'm going to see enough difference ever to justify that. Sure, if it's organic and, you know, it's non-GMO and maybe you've got some some better branding, you might get double for it. You might even, you know, get six bucks for it. I'm giving you 10. So your competitor really does determine roughly where your price needs to be. So figure out where your competitors are pricing their products. So that's something you want to think about is your price, right? Go do some competitive shops. I mean, I've worked with everybody from service industries to, to companies that sell products who often haven't done a competitive survey in years. They don't actually know for sure. They think they know, but they don't actually know for sure whether the competitors are at. And so the fourth one that we're going to talk about, the fourth P is people. So when we talk around people, it's about who's your ideal customer. And when we talk about the ideal customer, we're talking about that customer. Yeah, you'll do business with lots of people, but who's the ideal? Who's that customer that you love to work with? They can afford your services. You know, they're willing to pay the price to get your services and get the service and, and everything that you do to support that. And so who's that customer? Maybe they refer to you, right? That's part of being an ideal customer because they refer to you as well. And so there's a couple things you want to look at around people. You know, what's their demographic and what's their psychographic profile? So we're going to go to break. And when I come back, we're going to break down those two areas. People have heard of demographics. We know what that is. But what's psychographic? How, why is that important when we talk about people? So we're going to cut to a break, and we'll be right back to talk more about people, the fourth P in my 10 P's of marketing. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, we work with business owners and leaders to get the results they need. You can focus on the horizon, break barriers, and navigate change. Stop flying around in circles and get ready to break through to new levels of success. Sonic Coaching has a proven track record of helping entrepreneurs and leaders improve financial performance and success. It's time to turn around negative performance and morale. Instead, let sales soar and take profit performance to new levels. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can provide the right tools and systems to get you where you want to go. We function as the CEO and executive team's co-pilot. Visit soniccoaching.com. Rise to amazing heights with your team. Join successful business owners and leaders who have let Sonic Breakthrough Coaching pilot them to success. Visit soniccoaching.com today. Sonic Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. We're on the web at soniccoaching.com. Propelling your business to new heights is easier than you think. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can help provide the right tools you need to get there. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching works with business owners to improve both team and financial performance and with a proven track record of successfully helping owners and leaders turn around negative performance and morale and soar sales and profit performance to new levels. The time is now. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. Visit soniccoaching.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
You're tuned in to Ask the Coach with Oliver Baisner. To reach the show today, call us at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Ask the Coach. Welcome back, everyone. For those of you just joining us, we've been talking about Sonic Coaching's 10 P's of Marketing. You know, our school systems are still teaching four P's. They've kind of evolved them into four E's. They're the same four. Forget it. I mean, marketing has evolved. You have to admit, the way we market today is different than we did 20, 30 years ago. So we've created the 10 P's of marketing. We'll give you a bonus P if we have time on the show. We've already talked about, you know, the first four, product, positioning, price, and now we're talking about people. And so people, you've got to look at the demographic and the psychographic data. Now, demographics, I'm not going to spend any time on. You know what demographics are. It's like, you know, how old are they? What's their age? What's their sex, male or female? You know, the traditional stuff. You know, what's their income levels, right? How much money they make? Uh, You know, that's the demographic data. But I can tell you, I worked for a, a large multinational corporation years ago, and we were spending millions of dollars globally buying data, Spending money just on data. Well, why would we do that? Because we wanted the psychographic profile of our customers. And the psychographic profile tells you other things. It talks about what are the interests of your clients. So they're already buying your product, right? So you know who they are. And then what are their interests? What are their desires? What are their fears? Where do they hang out? Because now you can target your marketing. So let me give you an example. You know, it was a battery company I worked for and um, large, like I say, global battery company. And we were launching a brand new technical battery. And so we needed psychographic data because this was new to the marketplace. We didn't know where we were going to necessarily put it. So we had already taken it out there. We knew who the early adopters were. And um, we started to look at so we could start honing our marketing. And so we looked at what the psychographic profiling was. And one of the things that came back was that these early adopter, which were kind of the techies, they loved to spend time on the ski hills. So they were snowboarders predominantly and skiers. And so we went, okay, well, that gives us some really, really interesting information because now we know where we can target our marketing. So we gave packages of these batteries away on ski hills right around North America. We would give packages of batteries away. We had our branding there and we had you know, our banners there and we just created a big event. Sometimes we had our tent there where we you know, make a big deal about it. And so that's how psychographic data can help you. You know, working with an accounting firm, you know, one of the things that we determined when we talked about their ideal customer is we determined that one, they're one of their ideal customers or all their ideal customers, in fact, had two things in common. They all owned... A dog, not a cat. All of them, when we looked at and we had them pull the numbers, except for one, owned a dog. And the other thing that we determined was every one of their ideal customers, these were people who were successful in business and had established a level of of success, every one of them took what we would call some kind of exotic vacation or tropical vacation. Now, when we're looking at the marketing, we couldn't figure out what to do with the, the the dog thing, right? But what we did do is we figured out that, well, every other accounting website that you go to talk, has calculators and talks about, you know, CRA and the fear or IRS in the US or whoever, you know, your your body is in your country and talked about the fear of that. Well, we changed it around and we talked about, you work with us, 
here's what you get, right? And you land, and there was pictures of people holding hands on the beach, and a, a dad sitting with his son, uh, you know, playing guitar on a couch, right? So a totally different feel when you landed on their website because that's what their ideal customers were wanting to do anyway. And so you work with us, this is what you can achieve, right? So that's why you need psychographic data. So that's the people. Number five is partners. So when I talk about partners, it's who can help you strategically. What partner programs can you use or leverage? You've seen this. You've every one of us have received emails in the past where I want to introduce you to, you know, this awesome person um, that you know specializes in this, right? And it's usually some kind of training program. So they're leveraging a partner relationship. And and what's in it for them? There's probably a fee split of some kind. So for them introducing you, they might get 25 or 40 or 50 percent of everything that gets sold by introducing you. Uh, through the partner program. And so, you know, a tax lawyer that I I have as a client here in Calgary that I've worked with, um, what he has is is accountants. So he becomes their go-to person for tax questions. So when an accountant has a tax question, they phone this guy up, it's free, doesn't charge him a dime, right? They're the partners, but guess what? When their clients as accountants have massive tax questions that's beyond their skill level, guess who they refer? It's a great strategy. He gets a lot of business having partners who are accountants because he's a tax lawyer. Now, when we go from partners, number six is really about place. So let's talk about place. This is important. Where do you sell your product? Are are there any additional distribution channels that you could use? Right. So let's talk about distribution channels because that's a confusing thing that people always ask me about. Quite frankly, as far as I'm concerned, there's seven main distribution channels. Yeah, you might think of another one, but there's really seven places you can sell your product. So let's simplify it. Most of you are only using one distribution channel anyway, maybe two, right? So here's your seven distribution channels where you can actually uh, go out into the marketplace and place your product. So the first one is online. We're all familiar with online. You know, we know that companies have done, some have done a fantastic job, others have done a terrible job. Lots of different ways you can do it online, but that's a distribution channel. You know, whether you use social media aggressively, use, use, uh, you buy, you know, Google AdWords, or you've got a website that drives a lot of business to your bricks and mortar building, that's the online piece of it. Direct sales is another one. You know, and we're familiar with direct sales because, you know, we've all been approached probably over the years by somebody selling something right, through direct sales. Tupperware is a great direct sales company. It's been around for decades, right? And so direct sales could also be the guy knocking on your door, asking you if you want to buy something, right? So that's direct sales. You know, the third way is using sales agents. And, and you know, we've, I've used sales agents in the past in various companies I've worked with, you know, where they get a commission for selling your product, but they also sell maybe a dozen other products, non-competing products. So they carry a portfolio into the locations that are all in need of potentially those 12 products and then they become your agent. Um, phone sales, you know, phone sales is a great way. We've all, you know, seen the midnight commercials, you know, call us now, call us in the next 15 minutes and we'll give you an extra knife and an extra this, right? So phone sales, that's another distribution channel. Mail order, you know, not as common anymore as it used to be, but mail order is still a business and you can still definitely order and get it right to your door, right? I mean, a lot of that has shifted to online now, but it is a distribution channel. Retail, you know, we've got lots of retailers around the world and um, all vying for your, your dollar. 
And so retail is the distribution channel, especially if maybe you're selling shampoos or, or any kind of a commodity type product. And then live events, you know, used very much in, in the, um, you know, consulting world, coaching world, uh, teaching world. And so live event is the other distribution channel. There's your seven distribution channels. It's not that complicated. You're probably using one or two anyway, right? And figure out, is there a third distribution channel we can maybe expand to improve our revenues or to expand our business? So that's, you know, when we talk about place, that's really what I'm talking about is where do you sell your product? What's the distribution channel? You know, I've given you the seven, pick one, pick two, pick three. If you've got two, where can you expand on another one? Now, our seventh P in the 10 P's of marketing is packaging. Packaging is so critical. I, I really believe this is an important one that you want to spend some time on because often we, we kind of forget about it or we don't spend enough time on it. Now, here's some things you want to think about. How does your packaging increase the perceived value of your product or service? You know, maybe you can take several of your products or services and bundle them together so there's a higher perceived value. You know, it's a great strategy because you can sell at a higher price point. You know, does your marketing collateral, you really have to think about this because this is one of the P's. Does your marketing collateral match the perceived value? For instance, you can't be premium as a practitioner, so acupuncturist, think acupuncturist, think chiropractor, you can't be premium and have a clinic that is cheap looking, right? That doesn't scream value to me, right? I, I'm not going to go and in, 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 into a professional place. That's why when you go to doctor's offices, usually they look very clean, very aesthetic, very beautifully laid out. You know, they've got good quality furniture. You know, it's not folding chairs, right? Because the image of premium has to show something. I get that includes a showroom. You know, it's interesting. Years ago, I went into a, a promotional uh, company's offices and, you know, they're trying to get a pretty good price for their promotional goods, positioning themselves as premium and their offices. I mean, the carpet looked like it needed to be replaced 20 years ago. Right. And stuff everywhere. And, and it was, you know, the reason the offices for storage and it, it screamed everything but premium to me when I walked in there. You know, as you're building old and run down, you know, if, if you're a professional services business, and you've got this beautiful office, you got the most beautiful office in the most terrible building. Well, that's not screaming premium to me. I don't even want to go to your office when I get to the building. So now the other thing is packaging right think about that from packaging side if you've got a product you can't have inexpensive cheap looking feeling packaging you know it can't just be you know we've create we've grown all these beautiful items in our garden let's call it herbs and now we're going to put them in cello bags and you know print some stuff on our printer and staple it shut you know think about your business card it's amazes me sometimes how people hand me these flimsy business cards sometimes printed you could tell in their own office because they're all you know blurry or, or not clear and they're trying to sell me a professional service. It's like, well, there's a disconnect here for me. Like, are you even making any money? So look at everything that you do around packaging, right? So if you're trying to be premium, you have to actually show that you're premium to the people that you're dealing with. Now, let's go to number eight. The eighth P in the 10 P's of marketing is promotion. So how will you promote your product and more importantly, how will you get to the emotional or cultural branding, right? And how will you get, how's your message going to cut through the clutter? There's so much clutter out there right now. How are you going to cut through it? What are you going to do to be different? How are you going to get noticed? 
you know, and also we're going to talk a little bit about lifetime value here when we talk about promotion, lifetime value of a client, because so important, because people forget about the lifetime value when they're, you know, holding back and not wanting to spend money. You know, so I've talked about a lot here under promotion, so I'm going to break this into a few chunks for you. You know, let's talk about cultural branding first. You know, the easy one to remember is Pepsi, you know, several years ago, branded their products a choice of a new generation. Well, who wants to be part of the old generation? So they're implying their competitors part of the old generation. We're the choice of a new generation, right? And they hammered the airwaves and they hammered the TV and they hammered online. And, you know, they were really going after that younger generation so that they could kind of get them all on the Pepsi products. And then from there, hopefully retain them a choice of a new generation, not the old, you know, your dad's generation, your mom's generation. You know, when we talk about cultural branding, it's also where's culture moving towards? What are the hot buttons? What is culture looking for, you know, in, in your in your country, right, or in the world? You know, Toyota's done a great job with that over the years. You know, when we think about it, you know, they, they created an entire market of vehicles. You know, because years ago, they could see that culturally people were starting to get more concerned about the environment. You know, they were, they were looking to, to be you know, good to the environment. So clean became kind of the thing. Green became a big word. So what did they do? They invented the hybrid, Toyota Prius, right? Now, you know, back when the Prius came out, you can argue whether it was clean or not, but that was the branding, right? So while you owned it, you know, it was it was not taking any fuel. There were, you know, less emissions, obviously. If you were always electric, there were no emissions. And it was a green vehicle. That's how they promoted that vehicle. So they created a category in automotives just by understanding cultural branding. You know, and then they did it again. You know, so here's a company that's really understanding it and looking forward. You know, because again, there were people who were driving, you know, or what we would call our, our regular vehicle brands. You know what they are, GMs, the Volkswagens, and you know, the Fords and the Chryslers. And then there were the people driving the Mercedes and the BMWs and the Jaguars. And Toyota realized that there was a market in between there. So they created the Lexus, right? It wasn't the price of a Mercedes, but it really showed that people could afford a more expensive car was really what they were trying to get at, but it wasn't necessarily a Mercedes or, or one of those high-end brands. And so the Lexus found a niche right in between those spaces. And of course, you know, the rest is history. Now, most manufacturers have kind of that next level brand um, in the marketplace. So they, you know, they really did a great job understanding cultural branding around promotion. And so when we talk about promotion, it, you know, it's not just a simple, well, I'm going to go and, you know, advertise it in the local newspaper. You know, you've got to understand, you know, what's the emotional impact that you want to have with people when they see that? Um, how are you going to get your message across and cut through the clutter? That's so important. Right, because everybody's saying the same thing. And if everybody in your industry is saying the same thing, how can you be different? I'll give you an example. You know, Hay House Publishing years ago, you know, the 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 massive pub they're one of the top five publishers in the world. Hay House Publishing um, came out and you know they started to do things different. So they created events. You know, they have events for their authors. I've attended them in the past. And, you know, so they're cutting through the clutter. So they're promote, they were promoting in a different way by having their authors be promoted on stage with great talks, 
you could go for a weekend and experience you know a dozen or, or more of their best authors and for a really value price that you couldn't afford maybe to even see one of those authors for you know another one is um, you know years ago I used to order CDs and audios and all that stuff online before we could download all that stuff and you know I remember at the time you know the company I was ordering from gave a one-year return policy you know most places are 30 days you know if you, you get 90 days you're doing amazing they gave it a year but I remember also reading that because they gave a year they had a very low return rate because they took all the risk away but you got a year to like this CD program that you ordered or audio program and so if you've got a year to return it what's the risk you know the other thing is pretty smart on their part because if you've got a year chances are by the end of that year you're gonna forget about it's been a year and even if you haven't listened to it, you're going to forget to return it anyway, right? So, you know, instead of giving the traditional 30 days where you feel some pressure, I got to get through this and I got to, you know, I only got, you know, three days left. I got a year. I got all the time in the world, right? So how are you cutting through the clutter? What are you going to do that's different that you're going to shout about that makes people really go, wow. Now, we're going to cut to a commercial here in a minute. But I really want to talk about lifetime value when we get back because it's important, right? So, you know, the lifetime value of your client or customer really determines what you should be spending uh, in terms of dollars to, to acquire that client through promotions. So uh, let's go to commercial and we'll be right back to talk about lifetime value of clients and customers. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Propelling your business to new heights is easier than you think. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can help provide the right tools you need to get there. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching works with business owners to improve both team and financial performance and with a proven track record of successfully helping owners and leaders turn around negative performance and morale and soar sales and profit performance to new levels. The time is now. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. Visit soniccoaching.com. At Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, we work with business owners and leaders to get the results they need. You can focus on the horizon, break barriers, and navigate change. Stop flying around in circles and get ready to break through to new levels of success. Sonic Coaching has a proven track record of helping entrepreneurs and leaders improve financial performance and success. It's time to turn around negative performance and morale. Instead, let sales soar and take profit performance to new levels. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can provide the right tools and systems to get you where you want to go. We function as the CEO and executive team's co-pilot. Visit soniccoaching.com. Rise to amazing heights with your team. Join successful business owners and leaders who have let Sonic Breakthrough Coaching pilot them to success. Visit soniccoaching.com today. Sonic Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. We're on the web at soniccoaching.com. 
Get a unique and playful insider's take on the biggest stories in tech, media, and entertainment. Join Lori H. Schwartz, well-known technology catalyst, comedian, and geek girl, as she and leading experts in the media and content business dive into the biggest stories in technology trends, consumer behaviors, and its impact on Hollywood. If you're looking to respond to the tech-fueled changes in the marketplace, then tune in to the Tech Cat Show Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business and syndicated to Voice America Women's Channel. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned in to Ask the Coach with Oliver Baisner. To reach the show today, call us at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Ask the Coach. And we're back. Welcome back. We're talking about Sonic Coaching's 10 P's of marketing that we've created. You know, our school systems, unfortunately, as of a few years ago, they're still teaching four you know, they've, they've taken the four P's, which which I was taught 25 years ago, and they're changing it to the four E's. Forget it. Marketing is different than it was 25 years ago. Put E's there. Put P's there. It doesn't matter, right? We have to market different. So let's just review quickly if you've just joined us. You know, we've talked about product, positioning, price, people, finding the right partners to partner with. You know, place, you know, how are you going to get your, your product out? What's the distribution? We talked about the seven distribution methods that go with place. And packaging. And we just we're st- we were just wrapping up promotion, but one more thing around promotion I want to talk about is you have to determine the lifetime value of your clients or customers. That's just how it works, right? So if you're going, well, I'm an accountant. You know, I'm going to charge about $3,000 for a corporate year end for round numbers, right? And it costs me $2,000 in advertising to acquire that client, right? By the time I pay my people, you know, rule of thirds, about $1,000 with overhead and and the cost of the employees to do the work, I've made no profit, right? So I can't acquire a client for $2,000. Now, if you're brand new, I'm gonna qualify this. You probably can't, okay? You already have to have a base. But let's t- talk about the lifetime value of a client because I did this with a client of mine who owns an accounting firm, right? So I said, well, wait a minute. It cost you $2,000 to acquire them, about $1,000 to get the work done, overhead, all that stuff, right? And you make no profit, right, on a $3,000 charge. But how long do you keep the client? Well, and they said, yeah, well, on average, you know, if we average, you know, the ones that go out of business and the ones that, you know, don't stick around, Let's average it and say it's about four years, right? So I said, okay, well, so over four years, what are you charging them? And they said, well, $12,000. Pretty good, eh? Accounting firms, they know how to crunch numbers. And so, 
you know, three thousand dollars a year times four years is twelve thousand dollars. So, so now was it worth two thousand dollars in advertising spend to acquire a twelve thousand dollar customer? Well, of course it was, right? We're going to make ten thousand dollars on that two thousand dollars spend. I'll take that deal all day long. Now, again, if you're new, you can't do this unless you're well capitalized, because at some point you have to make a little bit of profit to keep things going so you can keep advertising, right? You can't live on nothing. Right. So but keep that in mind that you have to consider the lifetime value of your clients when you're talking about promotion because it changes everything. Now you can afford maybe to spend a lot more money. If you've got a good base, if you've been established for a while as a company and you have a great base, maybe you're just going to use a year of advertising. And, you know, again, you have to do all the right things that we've been talking around all the P's. Right. But if you've got strategic, well placed advertising that's doing the job and you're measuring it and making sure it's working. Why wouldn't you use a year to be the building year, right? You, you don't make any additional profit, but man, we're going to acquire a lot of customers and that's just going to keep on giving back because we keep our customers way longer. You know, in the in realtors, in a realtor's life, you know, they know that the average home sells, homeowner sells roughly every five to seven years, at least in this country. And so five to seven years. So if it costs you some money to acquire them, you have to remember, you may not, again, do any business with them for five to seven years. So it changes things. Right. But what are you making? How often? How many transactions do you get from the average client? Right. So if a realtor, you know, round numbers again, they're going to make ten thousand dollars commission on a on a home purchase. And the client over the lifetime, you know, is, is three times. That's thirty thousand dollars lifetime value. Well, maybe it's OK if you spent some money to acquire them. So look at the lifetime value when you're talking about promotion in your in your business. Right? What's the lifetime value of our customers? How long do we retain them? Now, if you're brand new and you don't know that, you can always look at your industry. Right? On average, how long do people keep their clients in your industry? Because talk to some people, find out what that number is. So that's promotion. That's our eighth P. Now, our ninth P is all about process. So how is your product consumed or your service used? How often? How do you ensure consistent delivery of a consistent product or product message? How do you ensure consistent repeat usage of your service? You know, there's no point if you're selling a product or service gets used once and now nobody's using it again. You know, if we look at process, you know, the, the organizations that have, for the most part, really, really done a great job with process are successful franchises, you know, because everything is process driven. You know, you should have the same experience whether you're getting a Big Mac anywhere in the world. It should taste the same. And by the way, I've had a Big Mac or, or fries from McDonald's even in different parts of the world. And they taste the same. Now, there's nuances. They might have different offerings based on that country on the menu. Um, I even found that, you know, one country I had to pay for my ketchup versus getting it for free. But at the same time, the taste was the taste, even though it's coming from different suppliers, probably in everything. You know, the buns are coming from a different supplier. The meat source is different. All those things likely coming from different suppliers around the globe. But everything tastes exactly the same. The experience should be exactly the same from a customer service point of view. Process, process, process. In fact, I've always said every single business should look at creating enough process that they should be able to franchise their business. Whether you're gonna ever franchise it or not, if you've got everything documented, it make, makes it really simple. You know, even in my business, 
you know, my, my last assistant left a few months back. My new assistant's taken over. We had a seven-page document of everything we do that we had that she had created before she left, right? So, you know, here's our passwords. Here's who we use for what services and on and on and on and on. So my new assistant could literally walk in. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Oh, there it is, step by step. This is how I log in. This is where we go, right? So process. Now, I'm going to qualify that. You know, the best thing I ever heard uh, was when um, a senior manager in a company said, said, just enough process. You always want to have just enough process. You don't want to get to a point where it's so over-processed, you've killed any creativity in your organization. What I'm talking about, though, is making sure that you've got things really buttoned down so the experience on the consumer or the client end is exactly the same every single time or in every single location if you have multiple locations. Right. And how are they consuming it? How often is it delivered? You know, is it being consumed the way it was originally intended? Right. You know, post-it notes were created as an accident. That wasn't what they were intending on providing to the consumer. But lo and behold, they had a glue that, you know, kind of was easy to remove. And so post-it notes were born. So you want to think about process in that way. You know, another another quick example is, you know, how, how do you ensure consistent delivery? How consistent is your product message. You know, if we look at baking soda, baking soda was invented decades ago. You know, and I've asked audiences of hundreds of people why it was invented. And I think in all the years, one person knew the answer. Baking soda was created as a leavening agent for baking. It's baking soda. Now, if we think about it, we don't bake as much as we did the turn of the century. So that should have been dead years ago. But what they did is they reinvented themselves multiple times, right? So often people say, well, it's a fridge air freshener, it's in baking soda, uh, or it's in uh, toothpaste, I should say. It's in deodorant. The baking soda is in deodorant. And so they've got, if you go to one of the largest brands' websites, they have over 90 different ways of consuming that product, right? So think about your process for continuing consumption. Keep things moving forward. You know, so important. Now, we look at our 10th P. It's physical evidence. So physical evidence is about how do you know that you've delivered on the brand promise? So important. You know, the brand promise is everything. If you're delivering on the brand promise, you will continue to do well. If you're touting a brand promise, so we're the safest vehicle, but people keep dying in your cars, forget it, right? Or, you know, we have the best taste and your product doesn't have the best taste, you're not delivering on the brand promise. So what's the physical evidence around that? And what measurements are in place and what supporting data do you have? Remember I mentioned that, you know, we used to buy millions of dollars worth of data in one of the large companies that I worked for and we bought that data because we also wanted to see what the physical evidence was. You know, what were people buying, right? Were we delivering on the brand promise? We were constantly getting surveys and doing uh, focus groups and finding out what people were thinking of our brands because it was important. We needed to deliver on the brand promise. That's the physical evidence. Right? It's not about, oh, it's out there on the shelf and it's selling. You know, are you getting repeat business? What are consumers thinking about it? What would they like to see improved? That's all physical evidence. And so, you know, a great example I can give you is I, I did some work with a company that sold stamps and seals online. This was a number of years ago. They've been in business for a long time. And they said, you know, we, we know, like we know what our brand promise is. We know absolutely unequivocally it's because we have the best products. We just deliver such great products 
That's why people do business with us. Now, I worked with them for three months to convince them to get some physical evidence around that. They refused. It took me three months. And so finally at the three month point, the owner of the company said, fine, my daughter works here. I'll get her to phone our top six customers. And so in the end, she phoned the top six customers and came back and said, you won't believe it. It's not physical evidence. It's not, it's not the quality. It's because we ship same day. She was completely enlightened. So don't assume, go check. Now, I promised you the 11th P. The 11th P is projection. Projection is about projecting 5, 10, 15 years out. What are the changes or the advancements that could possibly take place in your, your profession, your industry? What skills do you need to acquire to stay ahead of these changes or advancements do you need to adopt to be able to promote some new skills and features ahead of your competition? You know, disruption is going to happen in every industry, whether we like it or not. You know, Uber, Airbnb are great examples. You know, the taxi cab and the hotel industries didn't see it coming. So almost always disruption comes from outside of your industry. So you need to project out what's going to happen. You know, think about robotics, solar, artificial intelligence, virtual reality, drones, medical advancements, self-driving cars. Put that all together and oh my God, like everybody's going to be impacted. So that's projection. You really want to think about projecting out you know, what is it that could be impacting you? And what if those technologies converge? Let's talk about self-driving cars with solar panels on the roof, artificial intelligence built in there to keep everything safe, right? And all of a sudden, and you may be virtual reality screens in the car, so you can have some entertainment. You could have four technologies all coming together, converging all into one. What's the impact going to be, right? On transportation, on utilities, on your industry specific. So that's the, the 11th P, that's the bonus P. I think that's probably the most important one because if you don't project out what's gonna happen, you could be out of business even though you're doing all the other things right. And so keep that in mind. And you know, I also wanna say, you know, I, uh, this is uh, my 13th episode now with Voice America and it will actually be my final show. So um, I, I wanna thank Voice America. It's been a great opportunity to you know, be a host on this uh, on Voice America. You know, they've they've been great to deal with. Um, Ask the coach has been phenomenal, um, but we've decided not to continue on with our contract. And you know, we are going to move over to a podcast. So Ask the coach isn't, isn't leaving. It's it'll be a podcast format. You know, we don't see that we need a live show because most of you we find are listening recorded anyway. And uh, you can find us on Facebook, on LinkedIn, under Sonic Coaching. Uh, SonicCoaching.com is our website, and if you go on Facebook, type in Ask the Coach, you can join the group as well and ask questions. So I've enjoyed my time with Voice America. Uh, they've been fantastic people to deal with. I'm going to miss some of the people I deal with regularly, and uh, look forward to continuing to provide you great information via podcast. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thank you for listening. Ask the Coach with Oliver Basner can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we talk again, have a sky-high week.